Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. As always, I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. I haven't changed yet, so I'm still here. <laughs> and we have a visitor today from Grace Point Church in Bentonville, Arkansas. We met Mackenzie last fall under some interesting circumstances. The LDS Church is actually building a temple right across the parking lot from the church where Mackenzie is the preschool director. But Today doesn't have anything to do with preschoolers necessarily. Today we're talking to Mackenzie because she has encountered Mormon missionaries in the past and God has given her a heart for the LDS people. And because Mackenzie has been involved in helping a sweet Mormon woman come to know the God of the Bible. We do this today to encourage Christians. Many Mormons really love Jesus and they are questioning their faith, many of them, and they just need to have a conversation often with a Christian. But a Christian needs to walk with them often for many months in order for all of this to make sense to someone who's LDS so that they might fully understand the differences between the faiths and be able to make some good decisions. Welcome, Mackenzie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> kind of nervous, but honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, just relax. We, uh, we're full of mistakes here, so it's all good. Yeah. Well, now just, just remember, just remember, if you make a mistake, we have the option to edit it out, but we never do. So <laughs> it, it just it just stays there. Perfect. Loving through space forever and ever. So do you make like a blooper reel for the end? Uh, like the yes, yeah, we, we do that for really, really great stories. So uh, oh. but uh just just enjoy, just enjoy. And again, I spoke with Pastor Mike this morning. It was so much fun. So so, but uh, he, he's doing great, and we just love your church, your congregation, the people there. It's just so wonderful uh, to have been there to meet you guys and to just feel the spirit. Um, so, we invite anybody who lives in Arkansas to attend your church. Okay, so. <laughs> you, yes, <laughs> we'd love to have so, you. Well, let's get into Mackenzie's story. Um, Mackenzie, did you grow up? Knowing the Bible in a Christian home, oh, and was there a point where Jesus became your Lord and Savior? It's a great question. Um, I am super blessed to have grown up with Christian parents and in a Christian home. I don't remember a time where I didn't know who Jesus was, and I didn't know that the Bible was true, which is a huge blessing, right? Whenever I've spoken to anybody, a lot of people's testimonies don't start out like that. Um, and I just know that that is something that I didn't deserve and I'm super blessed. My mom would tell stories that when I was two, I would try to tell people in the grocery store about Jesus and all of these things. But I grew up with really awesome parents who prioritized the Bible and our own personal walks with Jesus and prioritizing being discipled by other people, by teaching other people about Jesus. And like I said, I've only ever known that the Bible is true and can be trusted. So huge blessing. And have you always kind of wanted to be in ministry? Um, I think whenever I started, you know, getting out of high school and going to college and trying to maybe take life a little bit more seriously, I had to make a decision. And 
I know that no matter what my career path would be, my mission and my job would still be ministry, if that makes sense. As a believer, our occupation is always to go and make disciples and to show and share Jesus. And no matter what I do vocationally, um, but I also really valued my time in the local church growing up. Um, But there were also some things that I would have changed. And I want to be a part of a ministry that is teaching kiddos, specifically kids, the the importance of following Jesus and wanting to know him more and just having confidence in your ability to read the Bible and know what it means. Mm-hmm. I think as a kid, I relied so much on my parents' faith and my teachers and my like Sunday school teachers and my parents to tell me what the Bible meant that I didn't really have any confidence in it for a while. Even though I knew it was true, I didn't necessarily have confidence to prove it to somebody else. Um, but here in my specific job now that I, I get to help my kiddos get confidence in doing that, But so I guess to answer your question, yes, I've always wanted to do ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I studied parks and rec in college. I thought I'd do the camp ministry world, which I worked for a camp, um, a Christian camp for eight summers, which was really, really sweet. Um, And now I've landed here and I'm so thrilled. So, yeah. Wow. So did did I not see you on a TV show one time? Parks (laughs) and rec? Everybody says that, Mike. Everyone asks me. Okay. Okay. I know. Well, and I've never seen it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint. I've never seen Parks and Rec um, because I get secondhand embarrassment really easily. And so when there's like cringy television shows, it just makes me uncomfortable. So I can't do it. <laughs> so when did you encounter Mormonism and how in the world did you get a heart for that? For oh my getting to know the LDS people? That is is totally God, first of all. Um, so after I graduated from college, I went to Oklahoma State University. And then I went to a program called the Canuck Institute in Branson, where I learned um, more about the Bible, got to do some really cool things, meet some really cool people. Um, and then after that, I was on full-time staff for a parachurch ministry called K-Life um, in a little bitty town here in Arkansas called Ozark and um, got to do youth ministry there for four years. And I had fourth through 12th grade students. But while I lived there, um, some Mormon missionaries happened to find my home and started coming every week. And they came for three years every week. Um, I would meet with Mormon missionaries and for, I want to say the first maybe two and a half years, it was sister missionaries. And obviously they change and rotate and get sent to different places. Um, But then for the last, I want to say at least maybe half a year, um, they were um, elder missionaries after that. But it was mostly sister missionaries. and, And that's what started it. Like they came to my home. And I remember the first time they came, first I was startled. I was like, Oh, goodness, because I wasn't expecting a guest that day, right? (laughs) And somebody was at my door. And it just, I remember feeling like, I wonder how many people may have slammed the door in their face today or like said, I don't want what you're selling or just was any kind of unkind to these girls. So I invited them in. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what our, that it would end up being a three-year long process. Um, But I wanted them to feel welcome in my home. And so I brought them in. We made, I made some popcorn, we played a card game, and then we talked about the Bible. And it was really, really special. And I learned a lot because I didn't know anything really about Mormonism until that day, except for that it wasn't Christianity. Like that's what I knew prior to that was that it wasn't a biblical Christianity. Um, and so that started, there was three sister missionaries who came to my home and they were there for about you know six weeks, got some new sister missionaries after that and started the whole process again. And did that for a little over three years. Wow, that is amazing. But, it's just what what a wonderful story that 
you showed compassion. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's the key thing is showing compassion. Anybody can just slam a door in somebody's face, but you had the spirit with you that says, "Hey, here's people at my front door who wants to talk about God, and right. I'm going to slam the door in their face." And mm-hmm. What a chance to teach and to also glean information from them about mm-hmm. who they are. You know, what are they teaching? And, right. you know, our our son, Micah, who, you know, talks about this, about how many times when he was out, people slammed doors, you know, pulled guns on him, put the dogs on him, told Lord. him they were going to run over him with their car, whatever case. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. So, God bless you for doing that because you it's it's a hard journey for these kids to be out there and they're kids you know they're they're young kids and mm-hmm. they've been per se you know kind of just told only that mormonism is true and now mm-hmm. they have a chance to meet with a real life christian who can show compassion and love and to be able to gently teach them. Wow, I I commend you for that. And I suspect that there was mutual respect going on because often when Christians have Mormon missionaries in, within a visit or two, the Mormon missionaries realize you're not really interested, right? And you don't really care about them personally. And maybe you're just out to convert them or whatever. The fact that you got missionaries into your home for three years tells me that you showed mutual respect and kindness and graciousness because we're all human beings that deserve that. And and all of us, before we came to Christ, were quite a mess, right? And so to have compassion for that and not be angry about that or hit against that, I, we love that. That is our heart and that is our ministry. So then, then what happened? What did you learn? And were you, were you ever like thinking you might join? <laughs> um, no one's ever asked me that before. That's so interesting. Um, you know, I, I did my best to be generous and kind and humble. And I, I honestly, I think we talked about this when you guys came to Arkansas and I got to have lunch with you, that you were explaining something called red dotting to me mm-hmm. about something that missionaries do when they're on their mission. If they, if a house or somebody in their home is like, I'm not about this. We're not going there. You're not going to, you're not going to change my mind. They'll red dot your home and then they won't send missionaries there. And while I was kind, I still cannot believe to this day that I wasn't red dotted at some point because I was so firm in what I believe with grace and humility. But I would tell the girls day one that they came. They'd ask me what I do for a living. I said, I teach Bible. I didn't tell them that I was a youth minister, but I said, I teach Bible to kids from fourth to 12th grade. And I believe that the Bible is true from cover to cover. And I still like it. It has to be God that allowed me to have conversations with these girls and some guys um, for them to not red dot my house. Um, Because when I first started it also, I wasn't very good at it. Like I, I was very much trying to prove them wrong. Right. I was like, I just finished Bible school. I know most of the answers, right. Or I thought I did. And I was just trying to prove them wrong. Right. And I didn't do it like I would now. Right. And so it is totally by the grace of God that I didn't get red dotted and that I learned over time of speaking with these missionaries of just how to be a good question asker. It wasn't about me like giving the one liner that, you know, stops them in their tracks or anything like that. It was 
how can I make them come to the realization themselves? Like, how can I get them to, first of all, ask questions for maybe the first time in their religion, in their spirituality, that they're not really allowed to ask questions or doubt. And so I was trying to like get their brains to think, right? And so it took a while for me to learn that. And, um, but thankfully I never got red dotted, but I learned over time to be a good question asker, to do it more um, gently. And obviously it, it was always about the Bible for me. And I was like, you know what? I want you to prove to me that Mormonism is true using the Bible. And unfortunately they couldn't, right? And so um, anyways, got to have some really cool conversations. And I think um, I still keep in contact with a few of them, which is also special via email. Um, and it's just been cool to see where they've ended up. And unfortunately un- they haven't like left Mormonism, but I still pray for them all the time. Um, and I guess that kind of leads us to whenever I met you guys and when I met my sweet friend, Janet, but you know, God brought you a Mormon. That I know, which that is, was, oh, I know how awesome was that? Yes. And it's wow. something actually that I prayed about whenever I was, when I was leaving K-Life, which is my last job prior to this, I because meeting with those missionaries was something I look forward to every week, right? It was a challenge. It was encouraging. I grew so much in my faith, having conversations with Mormon missionaries. I grew and knew, I learned to know God and know more about the God that I claim to worship by yeah. having conversations with these girls yeah. and these guys, right? And so it was beneficial to me and hopefully beneficial to them as well. And whenever I left, I that was one of the things that I had to potentially grieve. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get to <laughs> meet with missionaries every week. And then I interviewed for this church and I pulled, or I was coming to interview for this church and I pulled into the parking lot and it, we literally share a parking lot with a Mormon church and, and the new temple that's being built. And I was like, okay, God, this is so cool because he just knew, like he made my heart the way that it is. And he knows that I have a heart for the LDS people. And he trained me over three years of how to have compassionate conversations with them. And so it was even more confirmation for me that this is where God has me, right? In this church. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's yeah. amazing when you were speaking about uh, talking with the missionaries. And the key factor that you you came up with was ask them questions or ask them questions about doctrine how do you reconcile this? You know, I mean, the Bible says this. Is this what you guys believe? Can you explain to me? Or are you teaching this? But my my interpretation, this is a Bible verse. Here, read it. And how how do you explain that in your own religion? So Mormons do love questions. And, and the best way to teach is with questions. And if we go back to the Savior himself, how many times did he answer a question with a question uh, right. or, you know, make people think about what what is going on? And I, I, that's brilliant that you learned that from such a young age and just carry that with you for many, many for the rest of your life. It will be great whoever you happen to work with. So, Mike, the other thing that she mentioned that you mentioned uh, Mackenzie was that you asked them to prove things through the Bible so people trying to witness to Mormons all, all always say to me well the missionaries are making me read the Book of Mormon and I keep saying you tell them you're a Christian you believe the Bible they believe the Bible that's the one thing you have in common therefore you'll be sticking with the Bible Mm-hmm. And um, otherwise, you're, you're just wasting your time 
in LDS scriptures that Christians believe are not true, right? So, and and, and the, the point is to familiarize Mormons with Bible verses. As a Mormon, I didn't, I never heard John 1-1. Mm. And I've been a Mormon nearly 30 years. I mean, that's such a, <laughs> or John 3.16, I'm sure I'd heard it, but because we didn't believe in salvation by grace, you know, salvation through the laws and ordinances of the Mormon church, that didn't make sense to me. So absolutely people wanting to witness to Mormons stick in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. In fact, I have some wonderful friends in the Phoenix area who have a women's Bible study in their home and they invite their LDS neighbors and they say to them, you believe the Bible, we believe the Bible, this is something we have in common, let's study this together, right? You don't even, you can just lay those questions out there at Bible study for everyone and just getting into the Bible and reading the Bible is going to be enough to convict people or to get Mormons to go, whoa, wait a minute, this is not Mormonism, right? Hey. Absolutely. I think something else that I found valuable when I was te- or talking with these missionaries and using the Bible is that, you know, when they when they would use Bible verses, you know, they would just use one. They would just use one Bible verse and they wouldn't use what's above and below it. And yeah. my whole life, Growing up in Christianity and growing up with awesome parents, we did devotionals together and Sunday school. And then I went to two years of Bible school. They're like, you have to, you have to read the context, right? Context is so important when you study the Bible. And so showing the girls and guys, we'd read a whole chapter. We wouldn't just read a verse. We'd read a whole thought, right? I want to make sure the whole thought is being read because, you know, the verse that a lot of missionaries use in John about the other flock, right? That's just one verse in a thought. And when you take one verse out of a thought, it's so easy to take it out of context because you don't know what it's actually talking about. And so getting to walk through John 10 with Mormon missionaries and go, this is what's happening in history at the time. This is who is talking. This is who they're talking to. So when you do deductive reasoning, it's talking about the Gentiles, right? It's talking about this conflict that's in so much of the New Testament between Jews and Gentiles, and it's being resolved in John 10. But when you take one verse out of it and you're like, well, I'm going to say that it means this then you've distorted the Bible yourself, right? Right. With all kinds of parts of the Bible, but they specifically do that in John 10, you know? And there are two others that I can pull from. Let me see if I can remember these correctly. One was Second Thessalonians, where we're talking about how there was this great falling away. There was this great apostasy, right? Well, if you read that verse in Second Thessalonians, it says there will be a great falling away and the Antichrist is revealed. Those right. things are together. So yes. I'll say to them, and and literally, they just take part A of that verse. They don't even use the second half of the verse because the second half of the verse says, and the Antichrist right. will be revealed. The man of lawlessness will be revealed. So I asked them, so do we know who the man of lawlessness is? Right. Oh, wait. So do they, if with an and, do they not happen together? Right. So those kind of things. The other one Mormons use is Ezekiel 37, the Book of Mormon and the Bible are two sticks in one hand. Right. All you have to do is read a couple of verses right after that section. And it says what the two sticks are. One is Israel. One is Judah. The Lord will bring them back together at one point. right? And so context is everything and Mm -hmm. something to talk to Mormons about, right? Right. 
you you did such a great job at understanding that concept. But again, you were schooled and you've been taught because even a lot of Christian churches will just take one verse and go running off on the wrong direction, what it really means. And you have to read the whole chapter. You got to read verses before. You have to read verses after. You have to understand who the speaker is, who they're speaking to. You know, Paul spoke differently to members of the church, his brothers and sisters in Christ, than he did to other people who were not. And, right. and that's a big, big factor. But, you know, in Mormonism, you know, you have a temple that's being built next to your church. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be dedicated sometime in June, I do believe. Yes. And the one verse that the LDS church uses to build, you know, 200 temples, you know, is in Corinthians, you know, what else shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, then why are they baptized for the dead? They use that one verse to to explain the whole concept of temples of doing work for the dead, baptisms for the dead. And if they read, you know, the first few chapters before and after, Paul explains it so differently. And the key fact about that verse is this Paul states, what do they, not we, not me, not my people, but what do they do which are baptized for the dead, which is a problem to begin with. But uh, the key thing throughout the whole Bible, all Christians, all people, when you're studying the Bible, you got to do what Lindsay was talking about is you got to read and understand the nature, to understand who's speaking. When, you know, Mm -hmm. Jesus spoke many times of parables, you have to understand the concept of that parable during that period of time with Christ to make more sense out of it. So great. Good for you. I'm so excited. And you know, I bet, I bet the missionaries came to you because they felt love from you. And you also gave them Coke and coffee and tea to drink and they didn't have to report it. Right? No, no. I tried. I tried, (laughs) but they all turned me down. for, For those who might be listening is that, you know, in Mormonism, you cannot drink tea or coffee and used to, you couldn't drink Coke, but that's before the leaders changed their mind. And you can now um, uh, teach about or drink Coke, I guess. So, but anyway, uh, okay. moving girls, on here. When the girls came to my house, I um, would make popcorn and give them some water. And one time there was this huge storm in town. And I think the tornado sirens went off. Well, I grew up in Southern Oklahoma in Tornado Alley. So I didn't even flinch. And these sweet girls were panicking. And they were like, what do we do? And I said, well, I was going to watch a movie, but I don't think you can watch movies so we can play a board game. <laughs> and they ended up leaving. But I think it's one of they told me that they weren't allowed to watch movies or television either. But um, I will never forget that. It was so funny. OK, so let's tie up this episode. We're down to the last uh, four minutes or so by talking about these missionaries. And then I want to do a part two where we talk about the sweet LDS lady who came and sat on the front row when we were speaking there and what's happened in her life in the next several years. And what it's like to be a Christian to walk beside someone who's who's coming to faith in, in Christ. Okay, so what's your advice for Christians witnessing to missionaries? Um, first invite them in. They aren't scary. They're kids. Like Mike was saying, 
they're just, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kids who have been trained for this. So they're going to come across like they know what they're talking about. But we have to have confidence in the fact that the Bible is true and there will be nothing that can ever debunk it or overcome it or disprove it, period. So I think my biggest encouragement is that even if you don't think you know enough, the Bible knows it, right? And so we can, you can have confidence to tell these kiddos about the true God of the Bible just by welcoming them into your home and being generous. And you can Google it if you need help. <laughs> but don't turn them away. <laughs> or you can text Mackenzie or Lynn Wilder, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Which I often do text people right when they're even with the missionaries. Were there any specific incidences that you recall with missionaries where you feel like someone's heart was touched? Yes, I remember one time there were four girls this time and they were in my home and there was two that had been there for a while and two that were new. Um, and they were, we were talking about the gospel. I was having them read Ephesians with me. Um, I love reading the first chapter of Ephesians with Mormon missionaries. Um, and we were just talking about how the gospel of the Bible is Jesus only. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We talk about how it's only because of Jesus' sacrifice and his defeat of death that we have access to eternity with him. And there's nothing else that we can bring to the table. Like we ourselves, humans, creations, don't bring anything to the table of the gospel. And I set my Bible on the coffee table and I put a mason jar on top. And um, I said, so this jar represents what is what is necessary for the gospel. And I just put one ink pen in there and I said, this is Jesus, that's it. Okay, you can see there's only one ink pen in here. It's standard firm on the on the Bible. And then I started listing things that LDS members think are required for salvation, like baptism and ordinances and following the law and all these things. And the Bible just got covered in stuff. I was throwing sticky notes on there, tissues, other pens, to where you couldn't even see the Bible in that pen anymore. And I said, so that shows you that you really don't believe it's only Jesus. Because prior to that, they had told me, oh yeah, all we need is Jesus. But when she saw it, one of the girls, she did start to cry. You know, us girls, we get emotional when the Lord moves. And she started to get a little worked up. And unfortunately, in that moment, her um, her partner, I forget all of a sudden. Oh, her companion. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Was like, all right, it's time to go. And I was like, no, no. Um, and I know. Wow. That is a great analogy. Perfect way to tie up because it is time to go. <laughs> Grace and peace to you. Until next time, Mackenzie, I can't wait to talk about Janet's story to Jesus. May God bless. <laughs>